Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Well, good evening, Calvary Chapel South Bay. Happy Thanksgiving. It's great to be with you tonight. Would you stand as I read the Word of God? Taken from Psalm chapter 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He's broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them, let us, exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. It's Thanksgiving. I was asked earlier today, what am I most thankful for? So I began to ponder that all day today. I mean, truly, all of us are most thankful for Jesus. And so tonight, a little bit different of a Thanksgiving service. We're going to worship Jesus with a thankful heart. We're going to worship him for the life that he led. We're going to worship him for the death that he bore. And we're going to worship him for the resurrection and the ascension. And so over the course of our time together, we'll spend some time in worship. And then we'll be reminded through the word of his life. We'll spend some more time in worship for the example that he set in his life. And then we will be grateful for his death through the word of God. We'll spend a little bit more time in worship and come back a third time to be thankful and grateful for his resurrection and ascension. So tonight, I know we're thankful for our spouses, our family. I know we're thankful for our homes the time that God has given us. But tonight, we're going to give thanksgiving solely and alone to our God. 
And we're going to worship Jesus Christ tonight. And I'm going to ask that you leave your pumpkin pie recipes outside these doors. I'm going to ask that you leave your decision of whether or not you're going to fry your turkey or bake it. I'm going to ask that the argument of what kind of food you'll have for Thanksgiving just be left outside. And for the next hour and few, we're going to focus on giving thanks to Jesus for his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. This Holy Spirit, we give you glory and honor. Fill us, your church, as we worship you. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that at a worship service just like this, that your spirit spoke, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas. So Lord, would you set us apart tonight as we glorify you with gratitude in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you have your seat for just a moment? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Tonight, we are going to fulfill that psalm and give thanks to the Lord. First and foremost, John chapter 13, if you have your Bible. John's Gospel, chapter 13. Tonight, we want to be grateful for the life of Christ. And there's a reason why we are grateful for the life of Christ. John chapter 13. Picking it up there in verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Tonight, we're grateful for the example that he gave us. In Philippians chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. It'll be on the screen. He set an example for us of humility. That's what he was doing. He was washing the disciples' feet as the leader. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, he says, Let this mind be in you. In other words, follow the example of Christ which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross." You see, Jesus did not set an example of humility only there that night as he washed the disciples' feet in John 13. He was a humble bondservant of God, and that's why we give him thanks. He obeyed God. He was a humble bondservant. That whatever God asked him to do, he did. So he ministered to a woman in John chapter 4, though it was not culturally acceptable. He was a bondservant of God. He healed Lazarus, though it was impossible, because he was a bondservant of God. He saved a woman 
who was going to be stoned because she did what was not lawful because he is a bondservant of God. Not only was he humble as an example, he was obedient at all costs. He died on a cross, and the reason he died and the reason we worship is for God so loved the world. His love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, say it with me, everlasting life. He set an example of humility and obedience. He set an example of love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, you'll see it on the screen. Once again, we love him because he first loved us. We only know what love looks like because Jesus set an example for us of what love is. And more than anything with his love, John again reminds us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, his love was sacrificial, giving us an example that we should lay our lives down for him. And can I say, whether you're here or listening online, it's exactly what you're doing tonight. You are laying your life down at a night of worship to give thanks to Jesus. You could be baking your pumpkin pie. You could be preparing your honey-baked ham. You could be in the long line at Sam's Club. (laughs) But you chose to sacrifice your time to be here tonight. And that's why Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore by him, because of Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You see, when we give praise to God, despite the fact of the turmoil that you might face tomorrow, despite the fact whether your team won or lost in the World Cup, When you choose to give a sacrifice of praise, no matter what's going on in your life, it blesses him. And I know the holidays for some people, they aren't so great. I know the holidays for some people remind them of pain, but you're here tonight. And you are giving the sacrifice of your lips that despite the way you feel, you are worshiping God. He set an example of love and you are showing that he did set that example by your love to him in praise. But he also set an example of praise. It's Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. It was after the night was over and the last supper and the Bible says, and when they had sung a hymn, They went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, I don't know if you know, but this word hymn, it means to praise in a song. Jesus set an example in front of his disciples to praise God in song. And what do you think they were thinking when they saw him on the cross the very next day? How could he be praising God? Look where he is right now and today. But he did. 
he set an example, despite what was ahead of him, that he was going to praise God. It's why Paul would say that we're to speak to one another in hymns and songs and spiritual songs, because Jesus did it. And now we get to do it. So tonight as we sing, don't just sing what you read, but listen with your heart to what people are singing to you as we speak to each other of the praise of Jesus Christ. Let me say, we are grateful for the life of Christ because he showed us how to live a life of praise. Would you please have your seat for just another moment? And maybe open your Bible to Romans chapter 5. We are not only grateful for the life of Christ because he was the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God. And because he lived and fulfilled the law, he was able to pay the price of our sin. And we are grateful for the death of Christ. It's Romans chapter 8. Roman, excuse me, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, we were, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. We are grateful that we have been justified and we have been reconciled to God because of the death of Jesus. To be justified, he paid the price of our sin. He made us righteous before God. And when God looks at us, he sees the perfect sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, and we have been justified. Maybe you've heard it before, just as if I never sinned. We have been reconciled. Because of his death, we can have a personal relationship with God. We have been ousted out of the garden because of our sin. But Jesus Christ has reconciled our relationship so that we can have a personal relationship with God. This fact alone caused Paul to rejoice over the love of God expressed through his son, Jesus Christ, that even while we were sinners, enemies with God, he died for us. Christ died for us. But we're not just grateful for the life to come because of his death. We are grateful for the life we have today because of his death. Paul calls this a new life because of his death. In Romans chapter 6, would you take a look at verse 1? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul, for the first five chapters, has been talking to the church about the incredible grace of God. And though we were sinners, we can be saved by grace. Certainly not, he says in verse 2. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, he asked the Roman church, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. Church, we're grateful to God because we have the newness of life because of the death of Jesus Christ. Now, I need to let you know this word newness, it means I got rid of my old pair of Levi jeans and I bought a brand new pair of Lucky Brand jeans. Just work with me. The jeans are totally new and they're totally different, but they're still a pair of jeans. You see, we still have our lives. You did not physically die. But the life that you have now because of the death of Jesus Christ is totally new and it's totally different. Paul describes this life. Would you look at chapter 6 verse 5? For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. He's speaking in spiritual terms. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Someone should shout, Amen. See, this newness of life, the old man was crucified with Christ. That old man was a slave to sin. It was forced to do whatever it is that the flesh wanted to do. If the flesh wanted to eat, you ate. If the flesh wanted to party, you partied. If the flesh wanted to say foul things out of your mouth, you said those foul things. You were a slave to sin. Speaking with someone who struggles with an addiction... And I said to him, why don't you give up your smoking? And he said to me, well, I can give up smoking anytime I want. So I said, great, give me the pack right now. He started to sweat immediately. And I began to show to him, you're more a slave than what you even realize. It's the same when it came to being a slave of sin. You may not have realized you were a slave to sin, but you were controlled by sin. You were a slave of unrighteousness. But his death, his death conquered the enemy's power in your life because you were born into sin, but his death ended the enemy's power. Now you might be saying to yourself, But I struggle with sin still. Is this true for my life? Well, let me give you an example. Let's say you have a struggle struggle with an addiction like chocolate. I'm confessing. But today I drive home and God forbid, I pass away. I get hit by a car and I go home to be with Jesus. I feel sorry for my wife, but don't feel sorry for me. In fact, my son told me uh, sometime last year that he was not going to cry at my funeral. 
And I said, you'd better cry at my funeral. And his response was, you cry for us. You've left us here. I love him. I told him that the war affected him. But if I was to pass away, I would no longer be a slave to chocolate. It would have no dominion over me because I've passed away. That's the truth that Paul is getting across. He even explains it in Romans chapter 6. I'll pick it up in verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe, so it's by faith, that we shall also live with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once you're dead to something, you're dead. It doesn't control you anymore. Now, your new life, because you're no longer a slave to sin, you can live for God. I know we wrestle with this truth because we wrestle with sin. But your struggle with sin does not change this truth. And the truth is you have been freed from being enslaved to sin. So Paul exhorts us, reckon yourself to that truth. Now let me explain what this word means. Put it on God's tab. If I go with a friend of mine and I go to a hotel and he's in one room and I'm in another room and he's got a lot of money and he says to me, hey, Whatever you get, any kind of uh, uh, food service or room service or whatever you need, you put it on my tab. Well, guess what? I'm putting it on his tab. You know why? Because he told me. And because he told me, I'm going to trust him simply for the fact that he said to do it. Whether or not you believe this is true or not, it is true. And what Paul is saying, it's true despite the way you feel about it because it's God's tab. That's what this word reckon means. Our faith declares that because Christ died, we are dead to sin and we can live for God. Now, you may not be living in practice what you are in position, but it does not change the truth. This truth needs to change you and give you the power to say no to sin. That's why we worship him. Look at verse 17. It's why Paul worshiped him. But God be thanked. Listen to his worship. Romans chapter 6 verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. In other words, you listened to the gospel and you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You are no longer a slave of sin. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Paul rejoiced at the truth of the fact that we've been delivered. He said that an expression of our gratitude is our service to God. That's why we worship. And it would be for that reason that Peter would say, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 
chapter 2, verse 9. He would say, 1 Peter, once again, chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, listen church, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, listen to the truth, into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, tonight, because of his death, we are grateful for his death because he, listen to the truth, he has set us free from sin. Lord Jesus, I believe you changed our name tonight from Calvary Chapel to the worship center. We will worship you. We will honor you. We will give you all glory and all honor. For you are the Lamb of God who was slain since the foundation of the world. To God be the glory for your redemption. To God be the glory for your renewal. To God be the glory for the way that you've restored our lives and made us whole. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Would you have your seat one last time and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We are grateful for the life of Christ because he set an example for us. We are grateful for the death of Christ because he set us free from sin. And we are grateful for the resurrection and the ascension of Christ Because of him, he's given us a reason to rejoice. In Matthew chapter 28, Matthew's gospel chapter 28, verse 9. Right on the third day, as the women, Matthew 28 verse 9, as they, the women, went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and they worshiped him. Isn't it amazing that the first word that Jesus speaks to the ladies is a direction, rejoice. Jesus had come to destroy the work of the devil, which is death. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. And as the sinless sacrifice, he paid the price of our sin And he had risen from the dead. He conquered death. And now he holds the keys to eternal life. He alone can offer eternal life because he conquered death. So when he made the announcement to the church in Revelation that I hold the keys of death and Hades, what he was saying to the enemy was, I've conquered you. I am now in control. Because when you got the keys, you're the owner. That's what he's saying. And the conquering king, he has returned from a victorious battle and he is announcing to his subjects, it is time to rejoice. You know what I find incredible? Immediately, immediately the ladies respond to his direction just like you are tonight. There was no warm up for them. There was no whether they liked the worship song or not. 
There was no, I wish they would have done this one. No, no, no. Not Calvary Chapel, South Bay. And nor these ladies. They immediately fell down on their face in the humility that they had learned from his life. And they simply did what they asked them to do. They rejoiced. The Bible says they worshipped him. This word, they adored him. The word actually means they were throwing kisses his direction. And there on their face in front of the risen Lord, they're kissing his feet. The very feet that held the holes that were pierced for our transgressions. And they worshiped those feet. The very feet that tread victoriously over the enemy's domain of death, they worshiped those feet. The very feet that they were touching was now the eternal God-man who had walked in our shoes and can sympathize with our weaknesses. They worshiped him. In Luke chapter 24, if you would turn there with me, Luke's gospel chapter 24, right there at the end of the chapter, if you've gotten to John, you're okay. Go back a page. Luke chapter 24, verse 51. Luke chapter 24, verse 51. We are now 40 days later. Our ushers now are going to be preparing for communion. And as they leave the auditorium to get the elements, we are preparing our hearts as we listen to this scripture and this text. 40 days after the resurrection... Verse 51, now it came to pass, once again, 40 days later, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. He blessed them. The last thing they remember Jesus saying was, good job, Peter. Great job, John. You worked hard. Great job, Simon. Judas, not Iscariot. Thanks for hanging in there. James, you were a son of thunder. We're still working on you. Keep going. The very last thing that they remember was Jesus speaking well of them. That's a blessing. I've seen it hundreds of times in hospital rooms. Elderly moms and dads blessing their children. When we were in Liberia, I got bit by a cobra. I thought I was going to die. I woke up all my children at 11 o'clock at night. I didn't die, by the way. The end of the story is I lived. (laughs) Just in case you were worried. Some of you always say, you never finish the story. I'm here. (laughs) One person likes me. God bless you. I'm thankful for you. My wife was so terrified. 11.30 at night, she ran out of the house. She looked, screamed, and ran out. She went to go get a French nurse. In the meanwhile, while we were waiting for her, I woke up all of my children. And I blessed them. I laid my hands on them and I began to say things to them 
that I've always wanted to say. You're going to be a pastor. I know who you're going to be. You're so sweet and kind and gentle. Because that's what you do when you think you're on your way. Now, I didn't die, as I said, and the French nurse showed up, and she looked at me, and she went, do you feel this? And I'll translate, do you feel this? And I said, oh, yes, I felt that about 20 minutes ago. She went, oh. And then she goes, do you feel this? And I said, yes, I feel that as well. Oh. So she didn't help at all. <laughs> By the grace of God, I still lived. <laughs> I love you. Her son is putting her hand, his, please sit down, mom, please. <laughs> Maybe this should be our example over the holidays. That the last thing that our family hears from us is a blessing, not a curse. And maybe we follow the example of Jesus as the disciples did. Look at their response. The Bible says, the ushers can come forward. In verse 52, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Look at their response. Their response was to continue in the direction from the resurrection. Rejoice. But the word that is used here is that they greatly rejoiced as they returned to Jerusalem. Can you imagine what this looked like? There's a song. They were dancing and leaping and praising God. They had just watched Jesus ascend into the heaven. You're welcome to begin, ushers, passing out the elements. And as they worshipped, they went back to Jerusalem. And can I remind you, tonight has been wonderful. Watching you and listening to you worship has been glorious. But guess what? I'm sending you back out to your Jerusalem. Do you know what Jerusalem was for the disciples? Prior to the resurrection, they were hiding in the upper room. It was a place of fear. It was where Peter had denied Jesus Christ. It was a place where they watched their Lord crucified. And now no longer were they going in fear. Now they are going in faith. And they're greatly rejoicing as they go. Bible says they continued in this in the temple. This word continued right there in verse 52. It means they spent all of their time praising God and saying wonderful things about God. Blessing God. They continued this throughout their lifetime. They continued in Jerusalem. Matthew continued it in India. They continued it in Rome. They continued it around the known world. And whether they were in trial for suffering for the name of Jesus, they continued to praise and worship. 
whether they were in triumph because they watched three or 5,000 added to their number, they continued to worship. They spent a lifetime of worship because of their example. We're grateful for the resurrection because it gives us a reason to rejoice. So tonight we're going to follow their example. And we're going to remember the Lord over this Thanksgiving holiday season. And we're going to rejoice as we remember him. And tonight, I want us to remember Jesus. You see, tonight is an act of faith for you. Tonight is an act of worship. It displays the lifestyle that you live as you go back into your Jerusalem. So when Uncle shows up tomorrow, (laughs) rejoice. When your mother-in-law shows up tomorrow, rejoice. When that girlfriend comes that you wish your your son never met, rejoice. Our situation, our experience... It does not determine who we are. The life, death, and resurrection determines who we are. And that's why we rejoice. And so tonight, we remember that. And we remember it family style. The ushers passing out communion, serving you. And on the night that he would be betrayed. In that last supper, he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. That's why we worshiped tonight. And as long as you eat this, I want you to remember me. Church, would you take a moment and remember the broken body of the Lord? And on that same night, he passed the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. And as long as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's remember the Lord. Our Father, we come before you with gratitude. This Thanksgiving, no matter our circumstance, our situation, or experience, we have gathered here and online to let you know you are our priority. You are first in our life. And now we're ready. We're ready to face anything that comes our way because our joy is not found in anything other than you. I pray that the worship we experience tonight would be the worship expressed in our lives as we go back to Jerusalem, that place of fear. Let us go back to a place by faith. We worship you. In your hearts right now, would you just take a moment in silent prayer and would you worship Jesus in your heart?
tell him thank you. Thank the Father for sending His Son. Thank the Son for dying for us and providing redemption. Thank the Spirit for sealing us unto the day of redemption and guiding us into all truth. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Would you stand with me? Our Father, in a world that seems to be filled with anguish and pain even today, whether the events in Idaho or Virginia, even in our own backyard in Whittier just a week and a half ago, it seems that evil men and imposters are growing worse and worse, just like you said in your word. For in these days of darkness, never meant, we never knew or understood what it meant to let our light so shine. And so Lord, we take a moment this evening that despite what is going on around us, to give you thanks and praise because you're our God. And though life around us may look like the day of the cross, We trust that there will always be a resurrection. And I pray that the chaos of our experience would only remind us that you are Jesus in control of all things and have our best intentions at the depth of You've proven it to us. You died. So we worship you. We worship you. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.